are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. you're going to my quarters sir my shift has ended aren't you forgetting something warp core secure read a bedtime story to bones flowers delivered to marlena's ready room all systems go sir good night good good but i think you might be forgetting a certain promise that you made to me oh i was definitely hoping you'd forgotten that sir a captain never forgets or is that an elephant we're both magical creatures. Anyway, yes, Spock, you promised that you would watch a movie with me tonight after shift and that I got to pick the movie. I honestly don't remember why I promised that. I don't know why I ever promise you things. It never seems to turn out well for me, and yet I seem to do it anyway. It's like I'm caught in a never-ending loop. You promised because I fed your cat when you beamed down to Summit with the Hawkins last week. Also, I'm very persuasive. I wonder if it's too late to put in a transfer request. Oh, you. Sit here next to me. I've even made us some popcorn. Well, I asked one of the communication officers to do it, but I delegated the task. Because you are so very, very young, my Vulcan friend, you missed some of the treasures that the early 1990s cinema had to offer. So sit back and let us bask in the majesty of Interview with the Vampire. The world changes. We do not. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man. Wow. I know. Wasn't that just the best? How about we open the show and then we can talk about it? Okay. Hey, everybody. I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I am Laura Sigarski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer, and I'm about to buy my cat an auto feeder. Hmm. Just a reminder to the friends at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Come on, Spock, you must have loved that film. There's literally nothing you can pick apart in this one. What? What? Why are you staring at me? Aside from this being a beloved film of your adolescence, can you... Tell me what the purpose was of watching it. Um, so that we could make use of it as a template to discuss today's topic of homeostasis. Okay. Um, I can see that. But first, I shall read you my list of grievances. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to do like a soft starter. Um, you know, Gottman style. <laughs> For those listeners who don't know, um, the Gottmans are a husband and wife duo that have done a lot of research um, and clinical work with couples. We, and we one mentioned of the, th the Gottmans a while ago, didn't we? That's true. But, you know, 
it's been a little while and and yeah, maybe okay. or, you know our listeners need a refresher so anyway husband yeah. and wife doer they've done a lot of work um predominantly with couples and one of the things that they're really into is the gentle start so rather than me beginning by saying these are all the problems with this film that you love captain which i sort of just did i thought that i would i would be like take this like gentler softer if you will approach by saying that i did enjoy several elements of the film mm-hmm. right you know we have all of baby it. Mm-hmm. Yep. okay so not all of it but like baby christian slater adorable uh-huh. right very very good mm-hmm. brad pitt with long hair i mean yes please more of that mm-hmm Brad should really, I think he should rewatch Interview with a Vampire <laughs> um, and just like think about and some remember. style cues and, and remember, right? Remember the long flowing locks and whatever <laughs> hair care products he was doing to keep that alive. Mm. Um, so those two things. Mm. Um, I think it does a good job of being moody and atmospheric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was pretty much the vibe of the early 90s. It was, you know, there's a reason that Charlie XEX and Troy Sivan have that song. I want to go back to the 90s. I, we've left my my genres. I know. I believe I, I, I sent you that uh, the music video by YouTube, and I believe your response was, no, thank you. <laughs> but don't worry, <laughs> listeners, I'm going to include it in our liner notes just in case you want to take a gander. Okay, great. Yep. <laughs> I, I might look later. <laughs> um, so, yes, there were some things that I genuinely enjoyed. There were some things that were highly problematic, right? So basically the way that it seems to treat the entire institution of slavery. Uh, slavery. Uh, tell me more about that. Well, sir, uh, I mean, I can give you a little bit of a pass here on this one because you were a much younger James T. Kirk when you fell in love with his film. And you did leave to once again delegate the making of some more popcorn to the communications officer. Mm -hmm. And that was really when a lot of this, more of the problematic slavery stuff was coming up because it does Mm -hmm. seem like, it seems like we are meant to believe that... One, this antebellum time in the South was sexy Mm. and moody, romantic even. Um, And, you know, like, and the slaves were also sexy Mm. and like well-dressed in maybe a a shabby chic way, if you will. Yeah, that's problematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the plantation owner who, you know, Louis is before he becomes a vampire, um, but he's he's like this like benevolent dude. Like we feel sorry for him, you know. Like he just lost his wife and baby to typhus or diphtheria, something, you know. Maybe just <laughs> I, I always figured it was typhus. It might honestly, it could have just been childbirth because you know childbirth is brutal. Um, mm-hmm. So like he's lost them and he's just running around like drinking, hanging around in the graveyard trying to like lose all of his money because he doesn't care about life. And like, it's fine that he employs hundreds of slaves on his plantation. And by gambling away his plantation, he's also risking their lives and livelihood. And also he seems pretty benevolent. Right. And, Mm. and there's a scene when he comes out after he's like, after he's turned and he's killed one of the house slaves and all the slaves are outside and they're like supposed to, we're supposed to believe that they're worried about him. Genuinely worried. (laughs) Right. Oh, Oh no. 
is not great. It is not no. a good look for Brad or really anyone. Mm. Okay. All right. I yeah. I concede that that is very uncomfortable. Um. Yes. So there was that, and then I think that the second overarching issue would be just just Tom Cruise. <laughs> the existence of Tom Tom Cruise is problematic. Yes, I would I would argue that the existence of Tom Cruise in his current state, both now and back then, a problem. Um, but in particular, his existence in this film, big problem. And uh, what's interesting is at the time, people were very upset that he was Lestat. People did Ooh. not see him as Lestat at all. So you are not alone in this. Why was he cast? Do you happen to know? He was just, he was a very popular actor at the time. I guess. Yeah. But there, there were those of us, Anne Rice fanatics. Mm -hmm. um, I was not yet on the internet, so I'm not entirely sure where I would have read this, maybe in a real newspaper, uh, that, <laughs> that uh, us Anne Rice fans were quite up in arms about the casting of Tom Cruise as Lestat. And honestly, absolutely, you all were right. <laughs> it was a huge mistake because really no no go ahead you go first no i was just gonna say i mean i was still into it that's all i was gonna say and i would say that that once again folks is the power of co-creating narratives via the parasocial relationship and nostalgia and nostalgia but it also seems like I, that you genuinely back when you were first walk watching it as a, as a young kirkling um that you genuinely enjoyed that experience with Kirk Tom and tween. Brad. Kirk teen. Kirk, Kirk early yeah. teen. Mm -hmm. Yes. Really pick a portmanteau. As long as it involves Kirk, you're fine. Um, <laughs> but that I, I think that really it's a credit to you and a credit to this very complex character that Anne Rice created that it works at all. I, I think it, it has no credit can be given to Tom Cruise. None. <laughs> He deserves, uh, like, negative credit. Like, negative numbers in math or imaginary numbers. It's, yes, all of that for Tom Cruise. He lost points, like we're playing D&D. &D. Yes. Oh, he lost, like, a thousand points. A million. So many points that, like, he can just leave the campaign. He's done. <laughs> His troll has been taken out. All right. Any, any other complaints? Any other major grievances? No, I think I think those are the those are the big two. Um, I could have done with more uh, homoeroticism, but I uh -huh. appreciate I appreciate that for the time they were pushing the envelope. Yeah, I I was real into that, especially the Antonio Banderas character who like was straight up like, "Yo, Brad Pitt, come live with me." I was like, "Yes." The sexual tension between those two. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And Anne yeah. Rice really, really hates fan fiction. Do you know this? Oh, I don't know this. Yeah. She is not cool with fanfic. Wow. Yeah. And I'm going to real uh, JK Rowling on her hands. Yeah. Like what? You don't create these characters. And then you're like, now nobody imagine that they are having an actual relationship. <laughs> that is not the one that I wrote. Sorry. I was I was imagining that all over town. Touche. Welcome to my uh, my childhood. 
Well, and I think as much as perhaps listeners would be very intrigued to hear more about um, the sexploitations of Armand. I think that was his name, right? Armand. It was Armand. Very good. Armand, yes, of Armand and uh, Louis. Um, that happened for you both as a a a, a Kirkling and and now into your uh, years of wisdom. I think that in fact we were going to talk about something else. Are you sure? Pretty sure. You know, I, I got some notes here, and they seem to indicate that we were going to talk about something else that is related to the the vampires. I thought we were going to talk about homoeroticism. Oh, no, we were going to talk about homeostasis. Yes. That's Uh a downer. That's a that's a downer. Uh (laughs) Well, I mean, okay, so let like hear me out here, because I think that in this case, the homeeroticism and the homeostasis come together, link arms, if you will. Well, I uh, I think that's an interesting point because for uh, for friends at home who are unfamiliar with the concept of homeostasis in in therapeutic terms, maybe you've right. heard of homeostasis in like biological terms, mm-hmm. which is talking about the way that an animal is able to regulate its internal experience. So right. you're hot and you sweat. That's how you maintain homeostasis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we're talking about in terms of a therapeutic homeostasis, we're talking about especially systems and interactions with other human beings. Mm -hmm. So how do systems keep their sameness? Right. So put another way, it's the idea that when you have groups of people that spend a lot of time together, like a family, they are a system and everybody has roles that allow this system to continue to remain connected. Mm -hmm. And so each member has needs and wants that are to different, to varying degrees met. But really the point is that whatever is happening in the system allows it to continue to be a system. And homeostasis is attempting to describe this phenomena which is the system wants to keep the rules, roles, and boundaries the same. Mm-hmm. Like Anne Rice not wanting me to write homoerotic fanfic about her characters, she wants to keep that system exactly as it is. Exactly she as just... it is, exactly <laughs> as she envisioned it, exactly mm-hmm. as she wrote it down, both mm-hmm. in the film because she's such a micromanager that she wrote the screenplay. And in... <laughs> In, in the wealth of novels that she's written about these vampires. Do you think this vampires. is the story of how we get sued by Anne Rice? God, I hope not. This might be the story of how like listeners who love Anne Rice are like, I hate, I hate you. Stop Unsubscribe. your Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe <laughs> and go on iTunes and are like, these people are terrible. Um, to those of you out there who love Anne Rice, this is all playful, gentle banter. Um, and I also love Anne Rice. Yeah. I love her work. I Absolutely. Love her work. She seems mm-hmm. like a... I mean, I don't know very much about her as a human, but but I appreciate her work. This is all in 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 the spirit of good fun. <laughs> but at any rate, homeostasis, it is a system's desire to remain the same. Even when that sameness or the way that the family has been doing what it's been doing is no longer 
meeting everyone's individual needs and frankly may not be allowing that family or that group to achieve and grow in a healthy way, there's still that systemic pressure to keep it the same because it works after a fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just piggybacking on that a little bit, mm-hmm. homeostasis can also be really harmful. Like the patterns that we fall into can be really dangerous, harmful. Um, you know, if the pattern in the family is uh, we all walk around on eggshells when a uh, parent comes home intoxicated and that becomes our normal. Well, that's mm-hmm. not healthy. That's not serving anyone except to mitigate harm, which great. I'm glad we're mitigating harm, but we're not changing what's happening. Mm-mm. It's like treating a symptom instead of curing a disease. Mm-hmm. And as you're saying that, I find myself going back to interview with a vampire and I'm thinking of, do you remember that scene between Tom Cruise is Lestat. Um, <laughs> Your eye roll is epic. <laughs> um, and okay, so I need to like, okay, brief pause here before we continue with remember when. Um, it seems that there is a discrepancy between the pronunciation of Lestat's name. So I'm clearly pronouncing it as Lestat and Brad Pitt kept calling him Lestat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just drove me bananas. And I've, I've, you know, I felt like this was sort of like in some ways karmic retribution for the number of times that I just mispronounced things just all over the place. <laughs> Not just on this podcast, but really in, in daily life. Um, so I was, I was watching it and I was like, okay, universe, fair. But I do think after doing some minor sleuthing on the internet afterwards that it, it should be pronounced Lestat. Well, yeah, because it's it's Creole. It's French. Right. And there's no like E after it. Okay, great. So we're all on the same page. It's Lestat, everyone. Brad Pitt, get it together. Also, grow the hair. Um, But I've been saying it Lestat my entire life. So you're just going to have to, well, mm. my entire adult life. Okay. So you're just going to have to deal with that. Well, I'm going to work on it. And I guess, you know, to our listeners at home, regardless of how you pronounce it, you'll get to hear at least one of the ways, you know, 50% of this podcast will be in the way that you prefer to hear it. <laughs> so, l'chaim. Um, <laughs> it's a choose your own pronunciation adventure. Oh, man, this is great. We're going to corresponding book to be released. Um, summer of 2023. So at any rate, this talk of the ways that homeostasis can be harmful is making me think of that scene when yes tom cruise as lestat slash lestat is he's going in to see claudia who's played by kirsten dunst who is great good job Mm. kirsten Mm -hmm. and he like he brings her a doll right and she notes that you give me a doll on the same day every year and is wanting to know why so not only is like this day and the fact that they don't talk about what this day means it's like this like hidden trauma and very much a family secret that we keep but there is this tone in that scene that you realize that at this point in claudia's kind of evolution as an individual vampire she is not on the inside a seven-year-old little girl anymore Mm, and hasn't been it hasn't been for what? Is it like a hundred years at this point? It's been a while. 
It's been, so we'll say this, it's been long enough. Yeah, because she has a fuck ton of dolls. She does. There's a lot of dolls um, hiding some real unpleasantness uh, underneath, both literally and figuratively. But so she has a lot of dolls. At this point, she is very much an adult vampire. She may not have the body of an adult vampire, but she certainly has the personality viewpoint. What am I what word am I looking for here, Kirk? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yep, she she has the, the soul, the spirit, the self of an adult she's evolved and she's changed as an individual and so this sort of mm, habit ritual if you will of Lestat coming and giving her this doll it doesn't work anymore Mm -mm. and it doesn't feel nice where once it felt nice and it was this way that they um kind of affirmed their positive connection and shared a really healthy relational moment it now feels creepy yeah it feels creepy it feels patronizing it feels condescending it doesn't feel good anymore it doesn't feel like a positive relational moment it feels like from her perspective you don't understand me you're you you don't recognize the way i've grown and changed you want to keep me as a little girl you and you want to control me Mm-hmm. And from his perspective, he's like, dude, I'm doing a nice thing. This was a nice moment that we shared. Why can't we keep sharing this nice moment? Forever. Literally forever. Which kind of gets to the heart of, in this film, and my understanding is in the book too, like this is the heart of Lestat's problem, which is that he has assembled this family, you know, two dads and daughter. Mm-hmm. Because a very be, progressive family for the time. A, a very progressive family for the time, right? And he feels like this is great. Here is my forever family and we will relate to one another in these set ways that worked in from the very beginning and that will continue on until literally the end of time which yeah which feels so big and so heavy and yet like let's take a big step back and just pick any random family off the street and people have those thoughts and feelings that you know, my kid is always going to be my kid and I'm always going to be able to interact with them in the same way. And so when we think about, I I talk to clients about this quite often, usually around the holidays. So it makes sense that it's kind of in the forefront of my mind right now as, Mm -hmm. as we're just coming out of the holiday season is this idea of like, why is it when I go home to my family, like I, I am an independent human being with my own thoughts and feelings and Yet when I go home and I sit in that chair where I sat when I was 14, Mm. I react to my parents the same way I did then. And they talk to me the same way they did then. And it's like I have entered this. I've entered this snow globe that hasn't changed, even though I have. You know what this makes me think of? Hmm. Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, my God. That was was such a jump. Right. Okay. Stay, (laughs) stay with me, folks. I have, we have heard from some of our listeners that there were, there've been a a bit too many uh, fandom references in, in rapid succession. Um, And if you listen to Into the Spider-Verse, fair. Um, (laughs) So we're working on paring it down, focusing on the ones that are the most resonant, but stay with me here for Fiddler on the Roof, because I think it's going to help. It's going to make sense. Great. Um, and I'm bringing this up not 
only because part of how I spent my holiday season on Vulcan was going to see a live production of Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, by Vulcans? Yes. So, <laughs> you can just imagine how fine the singing was. <laughs> we have a lot of very strong altos on Vulcan. Mm, they're very precise. Mm-hmm. We always hit the correct intonation. <laughs> so this reminds me of the song that I want to say Tevya and frankly, you know, when I was watching this particular production, it was unclear who was singing at the same time, who was like singing the duet with him. I think it's supposed to be his wife. Uh, you're not talking about tradition. You're talking no. about Sunrise Sunset? I'm talking about Sunrise Sunset. Yes. Okay. So mm -hmm. Tevya sings it with his wife, and it's terrible that I cannot remember his wife's name, but I'm totally blanking on it. I did not think the Vulcan her who was portraying her part did a very good job. So when I don't like something, I forget the person's name, unless it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> and I remember that forever. Is this the little girl I carry? Is this the little boy at play? I don't remember growing older. When did they? So we're bringing up this particular song from Fiddler on the Roof because it does a nice job, I think, of encapsulating the struggle for parents who, in many, who are. I think in many cases, and if, we're going to, or if we want to talk about um, like the jobs within particular roles, one of the big one of the big things that is your responsibility when you have the role of the parent is to kind of lead your family group or family system. Mm -hmm. And so that means that it, if if we're looking at homeostasis and we've identified that we are at a particular kind of stasis that is no longer working, parents need to figure out how to take the lead in making changes. But this song really expresses sort of the struggle and the tragedy in that because from the parents' perspective, they are not growing as rapidly in such short periods of time as their children are. Mm -hmm. And what a child needs from the family group at two is drastically different from what the child needs at nine. And also so very different from what the child's going to need at 12 and then 18 and then 22 right? And mm -hmm. so for parents, it, it is a real struggle to try and figure out, okay, how do I meet all these different kinds of needs at all these different points? And it can start to feel very herky-jerky to make all these changes. And there's real sadness in it too, because maybe they really knew how to be a great parent to that child when the child was five. Mm -hmm. Like Lestat really understood what Claudia needed when she was still that seven-year-old child when she'd first gotten turned into a vampire. He knew how to connect with her. He had that particular skill set. He doesn't know how to connect with her when she is, you know, really inside feeling like a 35-year-old woman. Mm -hmm. Well, And what's interesting there is um, she looks seven. Mm -hmm. And when you when you look at her she she doesn't change and i think that can happen for people out in the real world too obviously it's it's very uh overt because she's a vampire but out in the world i mean parents look at their children and they still see a child 
Right. Even though the person standing in front of them is most definitely, I mean, well, this person is their child. This person is not a child. No. And so we, we can't, we can't interact with that other adult the same way that we did with that child. Right. But, but we try. <laughs> but I th yeah, I think you, I think you bring up a great point. And honestly, that is one of the many reasons why we chose Interview with the Vampire today. Not just so, you know, the captain and I could relive the glorious experience of, of watching the film. Though it, it certainly was. But I do love watching movies. I do love watching movies, too. Mm-hmm. Right. And I hope the communications officer loved making popcorn because we asked them to do it quite a few times. <laughs> I think that the next thing to do is to talk a little bit about the chaos that ensues. Because what happens, I mean, to your point of the movie does a great job of making literal what I think often happens in a figurative sense that parents look at their adult child and still see the child. In the film, Lestat looks at Claudia and still sees a child because she is literally still a child because she was turned at the age of seven, roughly, or thereabouts, right? Which is a taboo. In the vampire community, it is. And that's something that we learn when we meet Armand and I guess his, like, band of merry vampire players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, well, which brings up the question, what would you do with eternity? Some people would start a... a play that they host on regular and regular evenings <laughs> um oh and that reminds me of another issue that was problematic that i would be remiss if i didn't put out there that like there's a lot of objectification of of women um mm -hmm. and violation of the female body that is highly normalized um certainly in that specific sequence involving the uh, vampire players and you know not cool mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's legit that's fair yes so we've named that mm -hmm. well done <laughs> <laughs> and we're back yes so you're right it is very much a taboo um but nonetheless it happened and after this scene in which um you know, we have this conversation between, or we see this conversation between Claudia and Lestat about dolls, and we see what's underneath these hundreds of dolls. Mm. Mm -hmm. Things get, to use a phrase that the captain loves, real fucked up. <laughs> I do love that phrase. Something that we also know about families and systems and the way that they work is that when it becomes apparent that the way we've been doing things forever is no longer working, um, folks tend to respond in one of two ways. So the first way they respond is the way Lestat does, which is to engage in a negative feedback loop. And folks, when we're talking about negative versus positive feedback loops, I don't mean that phrasing in the sense of a, like to connote value. Right. You can think of it like um, a dial, a volume dial. Like the volumes being turned down, that's negative. Volumes being turned up, that's positive. Neither is good nor bad. They're just one. One is chilling shit out, and one is mm -hmm. amping shit up. Yes, uh, mathematical plus versus minus. So mm -hmm. the negative feedback loop, the minus response would be the way Lestat handles things. So <clears throat> he just hunkers down 
and really continues to respond the way he always has. Like every year he keeps giving her that doll, right? Like it very much is implied that even though they're having this like huge um, confrontation around this doll at this point, that this has probably been building for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's been like Claudia hasn't really been wanting this for a while. And that on some level, it seems like Lestat knew that, but he was all about the negative feedback loop. He's like, I want to keep this family system the same. So I'm just going to keep doing what I do with maybe a little more intensity <laughs> to try and encourage the rest of the system to get in line and fucking not rock the boat. Because I like the volume dial exactly where it fucking is. <laughs> exactly. And everybody's going to like it. Capiche? Mm -hmm. Capiche? Yes. Um, and then enter Louis, played by Brad Pitt and his beautiful head of hair. <laughs> uh, Louis has a different approach. What would you say Louis' approach is, Captain? Um, Louis... <clears throat> Well, okay, so to be fair, I think that Claudia is the one that was introducing a positive feedback. I think she ju was just ready to burn the place to the ground, uh, both figuratively and literally, mm -hmm. um, with, uh, with Lestat mm -hmm. in it. And uh, <laughs> yes, and she, she sort of gave Louis a choice. You can either be on my side or you're against me. Um, and, and Louis was stuck in the middle and he had to decide which system he wanted to be a part of. Does he want to be a part of the him and Lestat system or does he want to be a part of the him and Claudia system? And because he's in love with Claudia, which I know it's problematic. She's got a child's body. It's confusing, but she's also this like ancient creature of myth. Um, <laughs> I, well I said, I, sir. I, mm -hmm. yeah, I like thank, it. Thank you. Keep, thank keep you. going. Yeah. Uh, he has to decide which system he wants to be a part of. And mm -hmm. he he goes with Claudia because she's the one he's in love with now. He's not in love with Lestat anymore, which I would argue he was at one time and no longer is. You know, it's interesting because I think I read that breakdown slightly differently. Um, mm. But I'm going to put a, 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 a pin in that for a second, because I okay. want to make sure that we're highlighting and making it clear what we mean by positive feedback loop, mm -hmm. um, which is sort of like the plus sign of this whole communication dynamic. Positive feedback loop is when one or more members of the system decide, like Claudia, that like, you know what? Homeostasis, this shit's not working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. So their response to this this like stimuli that's coming in. And in this case, the stimuli is time because mm -hmm. time, despite the fact that these folks' physical bodies are, don't respond to, to time, the, their internal self very much does. And Claudia's like, I'm, I'm responding to time. I've changed. I've grown. Get these dolls away from me. And so she exhibits that positive feedback loop, which is an amplification of new and different behaviors, emotions. And what does that mean in practice? It means that, again, to use a captainism, shit gets real fucked up. <laughs> and if you have seen interviews with a vampire, like, that's true. A mm -hmm. lot happens in this house that they're all living in, Nolens. Like, wow. Um, which brings us to your point, which, yeah, like, Claudia issues this ultimatum to 
Brad Pitt Louie. And I think, and so this is where I'm going to like take the thing I put the pin in and like unpin it and like bring it out and name it. So I focused in this time watching the film less on the potential love, romantic love between these two and was really thinking more about the fact that Lestat has really traumatized these two vampires. Fair. You know, the ways that mm-hmm. he has treated them has absolutely been, um, at times, both emotionally and physically abusive. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was, that was, that too was a part of the homeostasis of this family. That Lestat mm-hmm. gets to do that because he's the paterfamilias, if you will. Yeah, paterfamilias. Mm-hmm. Always love an opportunity to just whip that one out. um and because of this external stimuli of time claudia's like you know what no i don't want this anymore it doesn't have to be this way we can be better we can be kinder to each other and she looks at louis and she's like come on louis we can do this i mean i guess they could be kinder to each other she's not real big on being kind to like humans no 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 like that's humans are not a part of this group um human, you know <laughs> humans are vegetables mm-hmm. as far as claudia is concerned <laughs> um louis has a lot you know he's kind of a fruititarian it's hard for him um <laughs> still whining louis right <laughs> probably one of the greatest lines in mm-hmm. this film mm-hmm but yeah, she's like, come on, come on, Louie, let's do this. We can, we can make our own family. It can be better. And Louie's like, yeah, let's do this. And, you know, I, I think absolutely you could take the interpretation that they are romantically in love with one another. I didn't in this go around, probably because it, it makes me queasy. Um, and I, I just... That's fair. Right. That's so fair. I, I like made the choice in my co-creation... <laughs> of this of this film narrative experience to just set that aside edit it out if you will um and focus on the fact that when they when they move because then they go to paris right they go to paris um i'm i'm fuzzy on the timeline fair okay they go to europe i think it's paris Mm -hmm. yeah but you know it's the it's the other major western continent um (laughs) (laughs) so they go there and i think one of the one of the defining parts of this new family that they attempt to form is that the roles or the hierarchies of roles if you will are more egalitarian that Mm. louis is not trying to tell claudia what to do he's not trying to be her parent he recognizes that she is an adult now and they relate to one another as adults respect each other acknowledge each each other's autonomy and really i think try to kind of like form a relationship from there and in you know in some ways they're fairly successful fairly um the the danger of course is that when when we disrupt the system things can really change and uh once the system was disrupted and suddenly Louis wasn't under Lestat's finger anymore and he was more free, he started thinking about like 
what kind of vampire do I want to be? Or who do I want to be with? And that's sort of, you know, when Antonio Banderas shows up and he's like, I think I might want to be that kind of vampire. Uh, <laughs> or be with that kind of vampire, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> and from there, the beautiful fan fiction of the, ca- <laughs> of the captain featuring Armand and Louis begins. <laughs> Where it mm-hmm. begins. Where it begins. Um, and, you know, key point there, there's no spot in that fan fiction of yours that you wrote, you know, as a as a youngling and continue, it seems to write to this day. There's no place in there for Claudia. She's not making any appearances, guest no, starring I- or otherwise. Right. And she is aware of this and she starts getting real freaked out mm-hmm. that you're you're going to leave me, Louie. Right. You're you have met someone else. You're going to leave me because we we have interrupted the system. And this happens with clients. Uh, I have this conversation with clients quite a bit where, you know, they start to really make changes and set boundaries and change mm-hmm. things with their family and in their life. And suddenly they're really worried, like, am I do I still fit with my partner? Right. Do I still fit with this other person? Do I, you know, do I fit here? Do I fit there? Because I, the system is the same, but I'm different. Right. And I think this kind of goes back to the question that sometimes comes up, which is, well, why, why is there this pressure within a family, within a a longstanding cohesive group of people to remain the same? This is the answer, right? Because once we start questioning and responding to external stimuli and taking in change, what we risk is disbanding Mm -hmm. and separating and not being together anymore. And for Lestat, and I I don't really think it's because it's, you know, it's, it's interview with the vampire Louis. It's not interview with the vampire Lestat, right? It's like, we don't really know much about his backstory. But, you know, based on some late night Wikipediaing that I did uh, last night, it, I got the sense that like part, perhaps part of the reason that Lestat is so like intractable and wants to keep things so much the same is that he's lost other families before. Mm-hmm. Because he's so old. He's so old, like both as a human and as a vampire. So he's done this whole thing of trying to like bring change into the system. And he's lived with, for him, like what he would interpret as like the really negative consequences, which is you just, you lose the family entirely. And I think that very much is part of what motivates him to take this really firm stance, which is like, no, no changes, not at all. Because I don't want to lose you two. Yeah. Which, ironically, because he has that really strong stance, Claudia's behavior is so much more amped up. Her positive feedback loop is so much more amped up because she can't just she and Louis can't just set a boundary and say, "Okay, we're going to leave. Best of luck to you, Lestat. We hope that you have a great eternity. And uh, here are our boundaries. You you can't come visit us. Don't try and sniff us out. we just, we really need to hold this boundary. Like, no, she's like, we literally need to burn his corpse. Mm-hmm. And, um, dump, well, he, they don't burn it. They they kill him and then dump his body in a swamp. And he's then eaten by a crocodile or an alligator. Honestly, friends at home, I don't know the difference. I'm not a biologist. Oh, but, he, but he kind of then eats the alligator, the croc, the crocodile. Yes, he does eat the crocodile, and he he rises again because if we've learned 
anything. It's that you can't keep Tom Cruise Lestat down, no matter how hard you try. <laughs> you can't keep a good vampire down. No, uh, you you just not possible. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe even like pulling back a little bit more, like imagine if Lestat had been open to okay, Claudia, you're not inter like externally you're seven, internally you're twenty seven. Let's do some renegotiation of roles. Mm -hmm. If he had been open to the renegotiation of roles at the appropriate time for Claudia, and he had also kind of dealt with his problematic, you know, like abusive behavior, it's possible that maybe this family could have figured out a way to stay together. They could have changed together. Because mm -hmm. that absolutely is possible. But I think when you have one member who's changing... And if an another family member's response is to just kind of like freeze up and negative feedback loop it rather than trying to like be open and work with that other person, then you get to that point where people want to set firm boundaries and walk out the door. But mm -hmm. you don't have to get there. Right. So there's hope. If, if you see something of yourself in this story that we're telling... Uh, whether you be vampires or people or a crocagator. Um, <laughs> I have is... this image of like crocodiles in the bayou with like <laughs> little earbuds in somehow <laughs> listening to our podcast. Um, yeah. And if you guys could just go ahead and like rate and review us on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. I feel like the Crocagator community is really not well represented in our. Yes. And, and Crocagators, we embrace you. Come on down. <laughs> yeah, but if you see something that you recognize here, be aware that there is the potential for change, but we need buy in from the other folks in the system or else the other folks in the system are just going to keep trying to pull you towards homeostasis because that's, that's what's comfortable. And mm -hmm. as human beings, we gravitate towards the shit that feels familiar, no matter what, no matter if that shit is just so not serving us or is in right. fact serving us. Well, and the reason for that, you know, we go back to where Panthers, right? For, and for those of, for those of you who are consistent <laughs> listeners, to our podcast, I think you know where I'm going with this, because as human beings, part of what kept us safe, and by safe, I'm talking about the very bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm talking about alive, mm -hmm. living, breathing, eating vegetables. Mm -hmm. What kept us able to do that was taking the same route home, the route where we know the where panther isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when, when something feels unfamiliar, mm -hmm. our primal brain says danger. Right. And uh, we, we still have this primal brain, but we don't live in those primal times. Exactly. And part of the reason we have this primal brain, which we know from um, research related to like you know, neuro neurobiology and neuroevolution is that as the brain was like changing and evolving, old grew on top of or new grew on top of old and the newer grew on top of new and old. So we have all those structures still there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they fire together in beautiful harmony, like a great big orchestra for fiddler on the roof, for fiddler on the roof. <laughs> and sometimes they're like that fifth grade orchestra 
who is trying to play a junior medley of Fiddler on the Roof, and it's not going well. Uh, no, no, not going well. All right. Well, I, f- I feel like we've said a lot. Agreed. What what do we want to make sure that our listeners are taking away? I mean, I think one of the big takeaways today would be to bring some curiosity um, into whatever groups you're a part of, be they family of origin, family of choice, um, partnerships, longstanding kind of co-worker, working relationships, and just start to pay attention to not just how you're feeling in them, but how others seem to be feeling. And maybe kind of ask yourself when discord is arising or if discomfort is coming up for you or you see it coming up in others, ask yourself, huh, is this a case of Lestat and Claudia? Mm. Mm-hmm. Is this a situation where continuing to do things the way we've all them, always done them is going to help us tackle this external problem? Or is this an invitation to change? Beautiful. And just like any invitation, we get to decide what we're going to do with it. We, if we have been, yeah, if we have been invited to change by someone else, we get to look at that invitation and go, mm, well, where Where is this change being held? What kind of change is it? Am I into it? Do I want to RSVP? Yes. Or do I want to respondez-vous s'il vous plaît oui to this invitation? Or do I want to say no? <laughs> well said. <laughs> All right. So that, that feels like a good wrap up of what folks can take away. How about stuff to Google? All right, stuff to Google. We have homeostasis, positive feedback loops, negative feedback loops. Um, If you want to kind of dig deeper into the field of cybernetics, you can do that. We didn't talk, I was going to say not too much, but frankly, folks, we didn't talk at all about the Palo Alto group, but they are linked to um, both the field of cybernetics and the ways that cybernetics got entwined with the early stages and a formation of marriage and family therapy that we now know and love today. Mm. Mm. Get some marriage and family therapy history. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duffy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You would have made a much better Lestat. Tune in for our next app on lousy smarch weather dealing with seasonal depression and be sure to follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and the best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe rate and review us on itunes and be sure to tell your friends and as always friends live live long long and and prosper. prosper